0: Hello, I'm Dr. Shree Banerjee, epidemiologist, biostatistician, public health practitioner. In this brief tutorial, I'm going to talk about how to use SAS effectively in order to conduct um, a important epidemiological um, measure, um, and that is um, how to determine um, something called a u r o c Um, a little bit more about um, what that is later um, but first what i want to emphasize is that um, when you've conducted your epidemiological study um, you've completed um, your design um, and then you have your model Um, how precisely do you determine um, how effective that model is what are the types of values that you look at Um, So, area under the curve is one such way that you try to determine um, what is the effectiveness um, of a particular model. Um, So, if you... So, just a quick uh, conceptual detour. Um, If we take a look at um, the uh, receiver-operator characteristic curve, um, if we manually uh, physically draw this out... um, then you can kind of see um, the relationship here. So um, when there is really um, no ability to discriminate by the model, um, then the relationship is flat. Um, but then the better um, the model functions, um, this is more. Th- this is uh, a t- statistical test or or a diagnostic test that. Uh, functions almost perfectly um, so the further you go um, here then you're um, actually increasing the numbers of false positives um, so some somewhere here you want to um, design your tests somewhere where the true positives are optimized so that, so over here but your false positive rates are not too high I wanted to um, take a look at Um, what a typical view about um, the conceptual you can kind of take a look here and see how this sas code works um, and and then compile it um so this this is a logistic regression um, uh, code um, which is being run here but um, the gist of this is that you can use this um, to study area under the curve um, and uh, uh, better understand this. Um, so in the first line here, um, the sashelp.class, this is actually a sample data set um, which is included um, within SAS Studio. Um, additionally, what you'll be running here um, is um, a uh, historic uh, public health uh, data set known as the Framingham Heart Study. And so um, in the nineteen forties um about five thousand individuals uh were initially assessed um for uh certain risk factors and the relationship with cardiovascular disease. So um this cohort, initial cohort, uh was then followed in subsequent decades um to study cardiovascular disease. Um so here what you'll be um comparing is uh two models. Um so, in these models, the um, outcome variable is um, biological sex. Um, and so, the predictor variables are height and weight. Um, and so, you'll be comparing the model that has been included within the sample um, SAS help data set, um, and then comparing uh, a model, uh, same model that I just described, uh, biological sex versus height, height and weight, Um, But within the Framingham heart data set. Um, And then you'll take those two, um, compare them, and um, uh, describe uh, which one is uh, the most effective. Um, So, do you see how this is taking something um, that you've learned? You've learned um, SAS throughout uh, a number of weeks, um, and then taking that and then applying it to a real life mob, uh, a real life data set. Um, and then providing information so let's compile this code and see what we get for output and so it takes a little bit of time but um, now you see a couple of uh, parts to this output so in the top portion um, what you see here um, is, is kind of a little bit of information about the student data set and then the model. Look at the output um, further. Um, so the first model, um, if you remember from um, the previous portion, um, was corresponding to the sample data set, um, the student sample data set, um, looking at biological sex being predicted by height or weight height and weight. Um, so this is the model. Um, this is the uh, significance level for each of the predictor um, variables. And um, as it turns out, um, it's not significant um, within the sample model. Um, so we would not really um, expect um, a, a too much level of discrimination um, in, the, in this uh, model. Um, so the ability, um, to kind of, uh, distinguish between a diseased state, um, or not, not diseased state, um, or in this situation, um, one gender versus another, um, is, uh, th- that, that predictive ability is, uh, not as, as much as we would, um, like for it to be. Um, so, um, basically when you have this, uh, direct, relationship, um, as we went and demonstrated at, at the uh, first part of this, um, when there's no relationship, it's a flat line. Um, but then when it expands out, um, then you know that um, there's some um, ability to effectively predict whatever the outcome variable is. Um, so let's take a look at the Framingham data set Um And let's look at what that shows so this is still looking at um, the initial um, student data set and as you can see within the model um, the uh, the value is 0.7056 so now we're looking at the Framingham heart study um, and this was started in Framingham, Massachusetts in the 1950s. So, um, as, as we would expect, um, the, uh, findings here now, um, the predictive ability for biological sex is much better, uh, from the Framingham Heart Study. So the value is 0.9185. And as you can see, the curve is, um, uh, really nice. Um, it's, it's bowed outward, which is what we want to see. Um, so, this is, um, basically, um, the difference between, uh, so, in a continuum, if you were to think about this, uh, think about this, um, on, on one extreme, um, the diagnostic test being able to perfectly distinguish between your two states. So if it's the disease state versus not disease state, um, if your diagnostic test uh, perfectly predicts that, um, then then all you have is true positives. But on the other extreme, so think about this as a continuum. So on the other extreme, you have nothing but false positives. So, you're not able to predict your outcome variable at all. Um, in other words, if it's uh, predicting a disease state, you're not able to do that, or if it's uh, one gender versus the other. So, usually um, a good test will balance the two. So, you can't have one extreme or the other, so you can kind of balance the two. Going to do is i'm going to take um, a, a little detour and uh, take another um, conceptual sort of um, explanation uh, here and provide this um, so let's think about a confusion matrix um, can you can you think of what a confusion matrix um, looks like um, before we talk about a confusion matrix um, let's think about um, what creates this confusion matrix Well, um, what you will uh, need to think about is a gold standard um, and then a diagnostic test, which doesn't quite um, operate or function as well as the gold standard. So, um, for instance, if you um, want to uh, definitively diagnose some uh, sort of um, internal cancer, um, a lot of times the initial test, um is a screening test which has high rates of false positive um so kind of finding the right combination of um of of, of, of um, characteristics for a diagnostic test that is what we're um after here so a confusion matrix all it is is um taking um two sort of State. So, you, you have a gold standard, right? I'm gonna label that G. Um, and then, um, so, if, if the gold standard said yes, um, then you know you have the disease, right? Um, and if the gold standard says no, then you know you don't have it. And then you have some test, usually, which doesn't quite function as optimally as the gold standard and then this says yes versus no I'm just going to put y for yes and then for no so what is this here this would be considered a true negative because both the gold standard says no and then the test said no now If both the gold standard and the test agree as a yes, then that would be a true positive. So then, if you have a test that says yes, but the gold standard says no, then that would be a false negative, right? Well, that would be a false positive. So that would be a false positive if the goal standard says no, but the test says yes, and then a false po- false negative. False negative. I said, um, this would be um, the test says no, but the goal standard says yes. Um, so the, the, there you have it. The, these are. This is the confusion matrix. Um, if you ever get confused um then you can kind of go back to this original um 2 by 2 um and and then figure it out so what is this uh receiver operator characteristic curve I'm telling you this was uh, actually something um that's been in use since the 50s um and that was um in uh radar radar technologies um and then in medicine um this became in vogue and popular um but um in essence what this is saying is that um on the x axis one minus specificity so what is the percentage of false positives um so at the outset um you have kind of here's here's the start um you have low rates of false positive and that's what you want in a good uh diagnostic uh, uh exam in uh, a um, good predictive ability. That's what you want. Um, so you have low false positive here. Um, but here you have actually low percentage true positive. Now that's something you don't want. Um, so let's start changing some of the parameters here. Um, and let's keep the false positives low. Um, but increase the true positive. So here, at some point, we can keep the false positives at a minimum, but then increase the predictive value of the model. And this is how this ROC curve works. So how, so the question that you're asking really at the end is that w- with which model can you increase the true positives effectively increase this without compromising uh too many going into false positives. That is your optimal test. And when we look at these two models, the one that came from the uh sample uh SAS dot help and the Framingham Heart Study here, um then you can clearly see that this Framingham Heart Study um model which predicts um Biological sex, from height and weight, is um, optimally uh, is functioning optimally, much more optimally than the other models. Um, so, so this is um, in in conclusion, this is the power of um, using this technique um, to once then once you've uh, conducted your epidemiological study. Um, to effectively communicate and tell people um, that this is a powerful model um, this is one way to do that Um, once everything is uh, said and done um, you can kind of see um, the output data um, and uh, results and then you can um, kind of see the log Um, so uh, you can then convert this um, into output data Once you get to this part, um, now you're ready to create and generate your PDF um, output file, um, which then you can um, upload and uh, submit um, when you're ready. So um, thinking about how to do this, pretty simple. Um, you may not think to um, do this, but uh, you may see that the download result as a PDF file is not highlighted. So. Um, what you'll then need to do is go into print results um, and then you can see this um, other window up here. Um, and then um, what you will have to do is select um, Select save as PDF, right here. Um, and for, for me this appeared um, automatically. Uh, you might have to um, actually select the destination and change that so just something else and right here you have um, a lot of important information as to when it was run and um, the results then that lets me know that you know that this was run um, separately um, on, a, on a different instance um, so uh, these are all the necessary steps in. Um, Um, Not only once you have generated your uh, model, whether it's through regression analysis or uh, different technique, um, but taking that information and really being able to understand and compare um, models, uh, which may not all uh, use the exact same technique, but being able to compare uh, different models, um, this is the power of the um, receiver operator. Characters to curve. Hint for listening.